Uh, I want to start with just three disclaimers. Okay. First disclaimer is none of this is a performance. Okay. So this isn't about a performance. It's not about being not making mistakes. It's about the opportunity to grow and the opportunity to learn because we are family, correct? And in my family growing up, I didn't have to perform to be a son of Alan and Lillian Simnor, did I? Mum. My mum's here tonight. Let's give it for my mum. This is my mum. She was privileged the day she had me. And, uh... <laughs> What's that, Dave So. <laughs> So there's freedom here to express our love for him because we're family and it's not a performance. So just let your hair down, have fun, and enter into what God's doing. And it could be 10 million different things because we're different, but we're on this journey to become one. Amen? And I love what Wendy prayed, this Trinity God, this Father, Son, Spirit, which theologians have struggled for years to try and comprehend and never will, invites you and I into have oneness with him. So it's not four, it's three, because Colossians said our lives are hidden in him. So I lose me, and now I'm hidden in him, which the Bible says was the place I actually started. So see, before the foundations of the earth, I was chosen in him. So we're really playing catch-up. That's why the focus is really, number one, it's not sin, it's sonship. Because we actually started as sons in Christ. None of us knew it. So you were born in sin, but really in Christ you were born a son. Isn't that good news? So if God accepted you before you were even born and he chose you before you were born, then why do you struggle with acceptance? Or rejection. And if you got a revelation of that, I tell you right now, it would instantly change your perspective on how you see and how you look because his love is greater than my sin. I'm so thankful his love was greater than my sin. It's more powerful. And aren't you thankful that Jesus never starts really at sin? He starts at the root issue because he sees the brokenness of humanity and he goes to restore that. And then he addresses behaviors because of a root issue. We tend to want to start at the behavior. I'm not saying the behavior is not important, but it's not where Jesus starts. Jesus comes in spite of our behavior, in spite of our sin, and he says, you know what, I can cleanse all that up. And I invite you to be one with me. All from a posture of four words, love. Do you know that's really all you need to know? (laughs) You see, we want to go the and and the but. I'm now preaching. I went past the disclaimers. (laughs) This always happens, eh, guys? I never actually get to finish what I write down, but who cares? (laughs) There's no and and but in God. It's not Jesus and Christ. It's the Messiah, isn't it? And when you're in one, the and and the but goes because you've entered into a reality in him because he comes into us, but the Bible says we must be in him. You see, it's the two become one reality. It's always been. You'll see it in every single relationship. And it starts with God and man. 
Before it starts with a woman and a man, a husband and a wife, it starts with God and his church. So he says, your lives are to be hidden in my son, which means we have this divine fellowship, which is not an intellectual exercise. Your mind will never get around this. You have to receive the word of God through power, and it's the word of God that performs on itself within you and brings you into a reality that you cannot bring yourself into. We don't tend to like that because we go, what's my part in playing that? Your part is completely lose your entire life. I don't quite like that part. (laughs) It's tough. It's the word of God. You see, we've taught give him your life, but that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say you must lose your life, but you must lose it for his sake, not yours. So there's a complete loss, but a gain. And depending on how you hear that, that can be a real negative thing or a positive thing. Like loss is not negative in God. Thank you. It's only gain, gain, gain. Like Paul said, if I lose my life, he would really say in Philippians 1, he says, to die is to gain. What's, what's that guy on? What's, it, what's he smoking? Chris Reddington, what's he smoking? <laughs> that's a little in-house joke. If you want to know what that's about, go online and listen to Sunday morning's message. Before I get preaching, the third disclaimer is participation is the key. So we don't want anyone just like watching, get involved. If you get a word for someone, share it. Okay? If you sense something burning on your heart, come and grab me, one of the elders, or just say it from where you are. Cool? It's about saints ministering to the Father, ministering to one another, and the impartation of God over this weekend. Because if we all bring a piece of the pizza, it's a pretty big pizza, and we'll take pizza out of business. So bring what he's got for others. So often we want to come for us. Why don't you bring a piece for others? And so the heart prayer and the ask is it's not about me. It's about others. There are other people gathering. There'll be more people tomorrow over the weekend. What do you want to say? And how are you going to use me to give a piece to someone else that I don't even know? Then be bold. Say it well. And if you're on the other receiving end of that, Every word I get, I just put it on the shelf. Unless it burns instantly within my spirit, I just put it on the shelf. Don't write it off because it might sound weird or a picture. Just put it on the shelf. And say, Holy Spirit, if that is of you for me, reveal it. Cool? All right. All right, why don't we come to Revelation 19 verses 10. Revelation 19, 10. Revelation is the revelation of who? Jesus. Jesus. This is not a horrible book that a whole lot of bad stuff happens in. It's an awesome book because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So everything is contained in Jesus Christ, correct? Does 2 Corinthians say that every promise is contained in Jesus Christ? Maybe, sort of. Absolutely it does. So everything that you need is contained in the person of Jesus. God makes it so simple so we don't miss it. And we can overcomplicate things because we're trying to understand in our minds 
which as we've looked at as a family, is not the first place you understand God. It's in your heart. Jesus said to the religious people, why do you reason in your heart? I thought you reasoned in your mind. He says, why are you reasoning? Isn't the heart the wellspring of life? Why did Paul ask for the eyes of the heart to be opened and the knowledge of God, not the, eye, the, the mind? Because the mind is not the central understanding point. The heart is, and then the spirit renews the mind. Right, Revelation 19, verse 10. Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Do you hold the testimony of Jesus Christ? Do you have a hold of what he's doing within your life? Like, doesn't it say that he's taken hold of us and we're to take hold of him? Doesn't that sound like, sound like divine oneness? So what he's done and what we're going to do and we meet each other in the middle, doesn't the Bible says that God looks for specific worshippers? And that there are true worshippers? It does say that, doesn't it? And it says the Father seeks true worshippers. And then he says, seek first the kingdom. So where God is seeking a true worshipper and you're seeking a kingdom, the two meet. And you have this divine oneness of an expression where now you are taking hold of everything Jesus is doing in you. What's a testimony? You can answer that question. <laughs> We're like sort of, uh, you know, two in the front. Well, I do. Oh, he's asking questions again. That Simna's asking questions. Oh, my goodness. It's an eyewitness account of what? Of what he's done. Is it already finished? But he wants to finish it within us, doesn't he? So if I said, come up here, grab the mic, and give testimony of the work Jesus is doing within you, not outside of you, in you, not healing, not reaching the lost people, not reaching cities, the work testify of the work Jesus is doing in you from being in the divine trinity of this dance of one. Because doesn't he say, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life within you? Doesn't he say, I want to perfect the work in you that I started? So then the church is to have a testimony, an ongoing testimonies of what Jesus is doing in us. Never mind outside of us, in us. And then we can live from the work that he's doing. Doesn't the word do the work in us? But is it? And we have to be in love, arrested and apprehended from just living lives that are earthly, almost outside of you, because Jesus wants to be in you and he wants you to be in him. So then you have much fruit. And it's a two-part picture. And what I want to do tonight is share the testimony that I know that God is doing in me in relation to oneness. I want to release the word of heaven in relation to the oneness that I'm in with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. I know it will be a powerful prophetic utterance because it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. 
So what Jesus has done, finished, when he enters and you enter into that reality with him, that's the place you prophesy from. It's the Spirit, the Spirit's work within you. So everything he's done, everything he's going to do, and everything he's doing in you, you then share with others. And that's prophecy. You see, we've just said prophecy is this thing where I see Jay going to Cambodia in three years and setting up a music ministry. Is that prophecy? Yes, it is. Because I'm speaking the future that I've seen, correct? And that's what prophecy is. It's foretelling everything that's in God that's finished in God, but it's not finished in us. And so the entire prophecy is not just saying earthly, it's what's in eternal, and you prophesy of everything that the work is doing in you, which is Jesus eternal, and you speak it into the earth. You see, that's really macro prophecy. Earthly is just micro prophecy. So what I said about Jay is micro prophecy. It's good, it's right, but it's only for earth. Macro prophecy is seeing everything that's in the Christ. He then does it in you, and now you prophesy of a life that you're in because you're now walking an eternal life, not an earthly one. So an eternal life can love on earth, can it not? And we're going to look at what it is to be perfected in unity. The challenge with the church is the church thinks unity is based by gathering like this. It ain't. It's gathered on knowing him. You can have no unity in the room because unity, oneness, is based on my fellowship with God, not you. I'll only be one with you and growing in one with you if you're growing and I'm growing in the Lord. So what we do in the church is we try to establish events to say we've got unity. But three questions would unravel that event. Trust me, three questions would unravel that event. Very easy when we look at agenda and why we're here and then we wrestle over who's what. And this is the purpose of this is that it can only be in him. And so the testimony of Jesus, what Jesus is doing within is the spirit in which one speaks. And you release the magnitude of the eternal. Didn't Paul say that there are these things that God has prepared for those who love him? Do you know what they are? Like, what's the point of writing it down if we don't go after it? See, so often we, we've, been, we've taught ourselves these things and we, we, we miss stuff. And we don't even have eyes to see it. And so it says that people of faith live from the unseen on earth and speak from the unseen because they prophesy of what they've seen, what's been happening within them from another realm. Yeah? Like Jesus was the guy from another realm who came to earth and no one understood him, correct? Like even his own people didn't get him, correct? But they should have, but they didn't, correct? Am I right? So this is the reality that we're to walk in, isn't it? Because he was concealed from all of us. He's the unseen one and my life is hidden in him, apparently. So my life for 29 years was concealed from me. I had no idea who I was in Christ, but I was chosen, born and in Christ before I even knew I was. So... I've got to figure out what that life looks like and find it and then live from it because he wants to finish this work that he started when I was 29. And I've been on this journey for 22 years and he's perfecting me into oneness with him, his son, and the spirit.
And I can testify of this incredible life. Like I will never, ever, ever go back. My life was rubbish. Sorry, mum, but it was rubbish compared to life in Christ. Like my mum and dad loved us kids and they did their best and we were non-Christians. So I'm honoring my mum tonight. It was a beautiful home we grew up in. It was love. We didn't have identity issues. We knew we were loved, taken care of. But compared to Christ, it's futile. And I say that from love. But this Christ and the know this Christ and then the divine dance of oneness. So in 1997, he brought me into oneness with him straight away to a measure. I go from nothing into oneness. Like, and I went, and I came, and I went, I don't understand this Christianity stuff, God. He said, why? I said, because I don't understand why there's all these denominations. Like, I don't understand why there's multiple when you just say one. So I go on a journey of asking, and he said, yeah, I don't get it either. And he led me to John 17. He said, spend time in here. You see, when man leads God's church, you get division. When God leads God's church, you get oneness. Are we known for oneness? Does the lost world look at us and know Jesus Christ was sent for them? Okay, how long has the church been birthed? You could say an eternity because we were birthed in God before the foundations, but when he came, you could say 2,000 years Go with that one. So we have 2,000 years to get this oneness right. Quite a long time, isn't it? Like if you were in a job, <laughs> that's a pretty cool boss. we got a pretty cool boss. But we'll rave all about miracles. We'll rave all about prophecy. We'll rave all about what's my gifting. We'll rave about buildings, we'll rave about songs, we'll rave about CDs, we'll rave about books, I've written two books. We'll rave about all these things and they're all in him, but he didn't pray those things. The high priestly prayer before he died was, hey, you lot, you would be one with me as I am one with my father. Like, why is Jesus praying for oneness when he could have prayed for anything and everything before he died? Because he knows the heart of man. So he has to pray for us. Because he knows we all have a spirit of independence, yeah? Some more than others. But we need a spirit of interdependence. There's a real issue in the heart of man because, I don't know about you guys, but... I look after my natural family, but the spiritual family, don't even know half the people. Who are they? Don't know, don't care, just turn up in a building and go. But he says the eternal calling, because it's an eternal heavenly calling, correct? Hebrews 3.1 says that God calls us for what? A heavenly calling. If you ask God what your heavenly calling is, because it's not in heaven, Didn't heaven come to earth? Like Jesus came from heaven to earth, yeah? To establish heaven on earth. 
So the heavenly calling that Jesus came to establish in his kingdom was attached to his prayer of oneness. So the heavenly calling for the church on earth is to be one. Wouldn't that be a good place to start? You see, we think all our efforts to go into a lost world is based on our works. But God says, actually, it's placed on a being reality and a becoming one. If you actually became one with me, guess what? They would know I was sent for them. They would come looking for you. And I'm not saying we don't go. But isn't that what the scriptures say? That they would know. Why do they know? What is it about oneness that God knows that they're looking at that the church hasn't figured out yet? Love. That four-letter world. Is everybody looking for love? But what kind of love? Human love? No, because they know that doesn't work. Like we know it doesn't work, hopefully. Some of us may have not figured that out yet. They're looking for a home, correct? Aren't they looking for family? Family's being ripped apart on this earth, is it not? Love. Everyone's wired for love, looking for love, looking for love in all the wrong places. Love country. Hey, Brick. You see Brick's away at me. So everyone's looking for something, and it's found in him, and he says, I invite you to be one with me, so it's found in you. What an invitation. But have we picked up the invitation? Do we actually even know love, meaning have I received it within me, not I know he loves me? Because I read about receiving an implantation of love through power, so I'm strengthened in my inner man, which actually propels me into oneness with the Father, Son, Spirit, and now I'm abiding within the three, and just as a branch, there's an abundance of life coming out of me. That's my testimony. I'm being perfected in oneness because I was brought into oneness 22 years ago. Not through a mental decision, but through being apprehended and arrested because the song says, I was dead. I I was dead in sin, in iniquity, in me. And completely and utterly helpless to get out of that and into him. So he has to come along because I was chosen before the foundations of the earth. And in the appointed time that he chose, he laid his hands and I had a collision course with love. And that love which entered into my body propelled me in the spirit, in me, into this divine oneness with God, and it bypassed my mind completely. And I'm now in a reality that I wasn't in when I woke up that morning. That's not just for me. That's the way of the kingdom. And you are now abiding in the reality of God through oneness, but you don't know how it happened, but you're the recipient of it. And now you can testify of this work of oneness because you're the recipient of the reality. You didn't do it. You see, this is outside of many people's realities. It's outside. So don't even try to understand it. I pray your spirit is being like, what? And you're hearing something and it's moving you on the inside to go, 
is that guy lying or is he telling the truth? Is that for me or is it just for special people? And this is the invitation the church has been invited to, but it seems to be that we're probably a bit more interested in functional works, which aren't wrong, but if they're not empowered by love, the Bible says you're just a gong. And so we're invited into this divine reality. And over the three days, we're going to look at the entirety of John 17, meaning we're not going to rip apart each verse. But we are, and everyone that's speaking, and we're going to have questions and panels around the reality of what's in John 17. Have I just gone off? No, I'm back. So I want to just look at John 17, 23. I want to encourage you to read the entire thing of John over the next three and a half days. Like, go home and read all of chapter, just chapter 17. And have a look. There's so much in here in relation to oneness. Ask questions of the scriptures and don't be afraid of the answer that comes back. Like seek, because it's all concealed, is it not? Waiting to be revealed. Otherwise, we don't need the Holy Spirit. So everything's concealed in God, waiting to be revealed. And so I can't just read this and get understanding. I have to eat and drink this through revelation of the Spirit. It needs to be implanted into me because I've got the Holy Spirit within me who wants to engrave this on my heart and mind so then I understand it, correct? And then I can live from it. Some of you look at me very cross-eyed. I'm just describing what it is to abide in Christ. That's all I'm doing. So he says this in verse 23, John 17, 23. I in them, who's them? And you in me, that they, the disciples, may be perfected in unity so that. Do you know everything God speaks has an outcome associated with it? Like he doesn't just say stuff for the sake of saying stuff. He says it, and then he goes, so here's the outcome. So if we're in unity and being perfected in unity, then what's the outcome in there in the Scriptures? Someone finish off that. Okay. So the outcome of the church being perfected in unity is the world will know. Now, is that a pretty big calling? And is that in our ability to do? but it's in his ability to do. So what's our role? Lose your life, stop denying God, and let him build you from the inside out through seeking, asking, and knocking. But you've got to let go of your life. You can't bring your life with you into the kingdom. You've got to lose you and go, Wow, I just heard of something that's beyond my capacity and my ability, but you are not a liar. It's in your word, and you're praying for me. Because he's not just praying for those 12. He's praying for everyone that would hear their word. So there's a reality for the church that I burn for within me because he put that conviction in me, and he made this come alive. And so I said, well, where is it, God? He said, I don't know. I'm asking the same question. He said, but it's in my word, I want to do it. And he says, show that. And you see this in every scriptures. He says, I speak so that my joy may be in you. 
So there's a wrestle, man. Like you cannot be casual as a Christian. There's no such thing as casual Christianity. It's called being dead. And I was apprehended in 1997 by God, like by the throat, and then powered in, and all of a sudden you're aware of a reality that you weren't aware of. Now the problem is, the Bible says we're in a form of deception, and you can even deceive yourself from thinking you're in something you're not. And you convince yourself you're in something you're not, but you're not because you can't live it. And the whole thing about Christianity is not a theological exercise, it's an exercise in demonstrating Christ on earth, which is what that's about. Correct? But because we can't do that, we form this other thing. Sounds good, looks good to the flesh, but anyone of discernment can discern it and go, that's not of my father. He loves the people in it, but he doesn't love the operating system. It's called forms of godliness. Have you figured this out? And so he goes, there is a perfecting work of unity so the world may know that you were sent and love them, the disciples, even as you love me. If you go a little bit further to John 17, 26, it says this. Father, he says, this love that you have, he said, I have made your name known and I will make it known. Why? So the love with which you love me will be in them. I, I don't know about you. I can't read that and just go, oh, that's nice. What's for lunch? Like I read that and I'm, I'm up all night. And the next day, and the next day, I'm going, hold on. Jesus said, Father, I've made your name known and will make it known so that, so that the love with which... You love me, Father, is in Paul Costello. So have you received that yet? You don't just open up a Weetbix packet and that pops out. Like, I burn for this. I burn to see a church burn, but not burn up. Like, I burn on the inside to see people burn on the inside because they've been apprehended from their life that they think is valuable and actually entered into a true life of value. That's why the cross is not about your sin. It's about your value. But we've made it all about the wrong thing. I'm not saying sin is an issue, but Jesus sent his best. He gave his best value. In view of God's mercy, lay your body down because of the value that was given for you to lay it down. If you see Christ, you lay your life down because in view of Christ, oh my goodness, what am I doing? But if you don't see him, you think you've got value and you hold on to you. But if you hold on to you, you're never going to enter this becoming one. This is good news. But I understand the flesh goes, because it's coming for you. The word's coming for your flesh. The word's coming to crucify the soul, the will of man that wants to live. But you were born for this. Like you were given life to be perfected in unity with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. So a whole lot of people that don't know him through you and I modeling oneness and love would go, my goodness, God is actually on this earth through the church. Well, there's a funny thing, isn't it? Rather than an institution, can we go there? An organization led on man's principles wrapped up in this. 
What an invitation we've been given. I just, it blows my mind, man. Because I know me. I know what I get up to. I know what I was doing for 29 years. Do you know you? Trying to access all the life and stuff, and yet there's this other invitation for oneness. To be perfected in unity with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So a world would know. Do you know being clean isn't enough if you want to live an all-encompassing life in Christ? You have to learn what it is to abide in him. Didn't Jesus say to Peter, I don't need to wash your entire feet, you're clean? Is that what he said? And then what did Peter do in the next breath? So you obviously got to be more than just righteous, yeah? If you want to enter into this fullness of life, this unity in Christ, because Peter was washed clean. Jesus didn't need to wash all his body, just set his feet. But then in the very next breath in John 30, he's denying the Messiah. If you go and have a look at abiding, it says you are clean, but then it actually goes into what it must be. If you want fruit, then you've got to know what it is to abide in Christ and Christ abide in you. And just the outcome of that, because it says you can do nothing apart from Christ, correct? So there's no eternal life that you and I can produce apart from him. Which he's telling you, but he says, if you actually are abiding in me, then then there's much fruit. Like much. And then it says, that proves you're actually a disciple of mine, rather than a justified follower who prayed a prayer but hasn't actually learnt what it is to come to Christ and learn from Christ because I'm still maybe trying to live for me and hang on to Christ. So I put 50 on that horse and 50 on that horse. I double my bets and hope I'm going to come in. But isn't it 100 on Christ and nothing on me? He asks for much, eh? Like it would be nice if he just said 50% is enough, yeah? Be a good deal. Sandra's going, no way. (laughs) He says, Father, he says, I'm going. Keep them in your name. The name you've given me. So who's Jesus Christ here? The Father or the Son? Go read John talks about the name you've given me, keep them in that name, and that's the name that I am, but you're that too, because like we heard, there's this oneness. What does it mean to be kept in his name? Have you asked that question? Because you then read, in the name of Jesus be healed, yeah? Life is contained within the person. Correct? And then he says, who do you say I am? And of course we all go, oh, you're the Messiah. Okay, well, have you entered into the life that's on offer of the Messiah, or do you just know how to answer the question and tick the box? Because it's not just about saying he's the Messiah, it's about knowing he's the Messiah on the inside, because if you know he's the Messiah, then when he speaks... 
you're hungry for what he says. And you're being made aware of everything he's saying so that. So that what? So then you can receive the outcome of being one with me. You're not trying to produce the fruit. It's just being produced through you because the branch has stayed connected to the vine because you're one with me. And I'm the true vine. So if a branch stays connected to the true vine, the Bible says much fruit travels through the vine, through the branch, and you have life. But not from anything that you're doing. All you need to do is stay connected to the vine. I give you one task. (laughs) And so we think we've got to go and do this thing out there as number one. But actually, we go out there and we're sort of a little bit lifeless. As opposed to abiding in the vine, living in the vine, growing in the vine, and then as you go about your day, you're just releasing Christ everywhere you go. So you release love, you release joy, you release peace, you release rest. You actually have a hope, but it's a person. There's such a difference between human optimism and hope. It's like faith and blind faith. And so because you're one with Christ, one with the Father, the invitation, you've entered into that through his power, it just comes out of you. It's a mystery. But mysteries are there to be known. And so that means if it's still a mystery to me, do I want to go on a journey to have the mystery unraveled? This is not a love issue. God loves us and will continue to love us just like my mum and dad did when we misbehaved. It doesn't alter his love. He only knows how to love. But he disciplines those he loves. Why? So he can elevate them into the reality in which he says. Because he wants a church that actually is one. And the invitation we have is a generational invitation because there's a whole lot of people that have gone before us. Yeah? And so they're part of our family. Yeah? Do you want to be at the table with Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob? Because they're alive and well, aren't they? You know you've got a place at that table? But do you want to be there? Because they live lives of faith. They live lives of oneness. They actually were obedient. Like You don't just turn up because you actually live for you. So the invitation goes out, but the invitation has conditions on it. Like it's called like doing my will, not yours. Wow, gee, oh yeah, they're getting a bit serious now. I thought it was a one-time life offer. Didn't matter what you did, you just got in. Yeah, that's into eternity, but that's not your reward. So this type of prayer is based on oneness with him, living in him, for him, with him, him through you. Sounds a bit like, I don't know, the two becoming one. Sounds a bit like a covenant. There's something about that he writes that These other people didn't understand when he said it.
It's divine. It's eternal. It's holy. It's outside of our ability to grasp. And it has to be. Otherwise, he ain't God. But it's fully possible in and with God. But it's a mystery. Amen? And it's a challenge. It's a wrestle. It requires much. He asks for much. But he gives so much in return that what you give in relation to what he gives, it doesn't compare. <laughs> Love is patient. Yeah? So how patient are you? Love is kind. How kind are you? Love doesn't hold an account of wrong. Well, now you're touching on it. <laughs> Love bears all things. With who? Humanity. Love endures all things. It's not jealous. Doesn't covet. You see the magnitude? Can you, can you hear it? Like, you're going, oh my goodness, I think I just need to go and crawl back under a hole somewhere. No, it's like, what? Like, what? Like, I can know Love you? Yeah, and I can be perfected in that so I can live there? Yeah. Yes, son. This is why I gave you life. To be my ambassadors, to be my church, to be my ecclesia, to be my priest, to be my saints, to be my sons, to be my bride, to be my soldiers, to be my disciples who are not interested in the world because we've been apprehended out of the world into Christ and then sent back to the world to see people rescued out of the world because the world is perishing. And God is interested in people, not so much the world, because he's created another one. And his kingdom came from heaven to earth, and so it sits right in front of us today. But can you hear it? Can you see it yet? Is something stirring in your spirit because you're hearing of a reality that you know you're not in, but you want because unless it does, guys, I'm telling you, tomorrow comes and you're back to Groundhog Day. Struggling in life, struggling with things, not thriving, but you're actually struggling and the pressures of life come on top and you're worried about many things and anxious because you've built your empire and your empire's collapsing. But he said, you've got to seek first something completely different. And if I add that, but then you'll actually walk on earth as an overcomer, not being overcome by your own empire. And it's an invitation of a lifetime, but it will ask for everything 
I'm done. <laughs> Jay's looking at his watch. Even though I don't think there's a watch even there. <laughs> and this is what this three days is really about. It's like hearing of a reality, knowing it's for us, and I hope you would go after it with all you are and have. Because it's who we're called to be. And we get one shot. So I'm hand-selected, the Bible tells me in Acts, to be in this generation. God has put boundaries around my life that I would seek God. Acts 17, 28. For a purpose. And God is a generational after generational after generational after generational God, correct? Because he's looking for a people in every generation. At the end of this earth, there comes a reward for those who are part of this people group called overcomers. Overcomers are the ones who received the reward. Because the overcomers were in Christ, Christ was in them, and they were able to live above the earth. Sounds like a movie, it's not, it's the truth. And you and I have been invited to it. You've been invited to sit with him on his throne. <laughs> you know. My goodness me. So Father, I just thank you that you're speaking loud and clear. I thank you that there's such a work that you want to do within us to release us from us, to free us from us, that we can live in you, for you, with you, to be a demonstration and a reflection of you on this earth. And you have invited into this trinity, this mystery that is incredible. And that we can have a love within us called Jesus Christ, eternal life, because to know him is eternal life. And live from an eternal life while we're here on earth. Seeing other people come into life because of the demonstration and the testimony of what we proclaim. Not trying to save people, loving them, and releasing and sharing you with them, and let you save them. But as your ambassadors, God, we carry a responsibility and a weight that is light, a burden that is light, but it has power and punch. And so, Father, I pray tonight we would go home and seek you. We would be found in prayer and supplication and piety, asking, knocking on your door for everything that you have for us as a church, as an individual, so we can play our part and play it well. You died and gave your life that we would know the fullness of life in you. And so, Lord, open our ears, open up the eyes of our heart and the knowledge of who you are. And perfect us continuously into this oneness with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.